Welcome to Settlers of Catan Even, where we talk about conspiracy theories, current events, and whatever else pops into our minds, all while playing one of our favorite games, Catan. I'm Katie, and I will be the moderator for this week. Today, our players are Megan, Ben, CJ, and Jasmine. Hello, everyone. Oh, hey. Yeah, say hey. Shout outs. Hi. Hey. Ah! All right. <laughs> You said said to shout. Oh no, (laughs) CJ's spitting coffee everywhere. Oh god, I just was following instructions. (laughs) All right, so today we're playing the Heading for New Shores board. Same rules as before. However, if you forgot or are new, you can check down in the show notes for a brief explanation. And remember, you can now find a link to a YouTube video that goes into more details about the rules. This board, I believe, needs 14 victory points to win. Yes. I don't remember what this board looks like at all. It is heading for new shores. We do get new islands with victory special victory points. Ooh, listen to that Yay. coffee ASMR. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. At first I was like, oh my god, Dobby's peeing, but <laughs> this is our new podcast where we just pour coffee into ASMR. <laughs> Welcome to Settlers of ASMR. I'm your host. <laughs> All right. So proposing an idea here, we start a podcast network just with settlers of blank. And we just do yes. different things. Yes. Settlers of ASMR. Settlers of Settlers of technology. (laughs) Settlers of dogs. Doggos. I like it. But then we also have a show that's just us commenting on Judge Judy episodes. I'm down. Settlers of the court. That would be fun. Yes. Yes. I like that one. That one's good. Judge Judy's the only one who can judge me. Now, back to the game. We are playing Heading for New Shores. We need 14 victory points. There are gold mines. There are special victory points. While y'all are placing your pieces, how's everyone doing? Is good week? Bad week? Better week? It's been all right a week. week. It's been a week. <laughs> been a week. Um, honestly, I could use like a personal assistant at work. I feel you. I got one this year, so I don't I don't understand that feeling anymore because I have a personal assistant at work. It's fantastic. <laughs> Let me rub that in a little bit more. Yeah, if I had someone who solely just focused on what I needed when I needed it and like didn't have to help anybody else, didn't have to like do anything for anyone besides me, I think life would be a little bit it's really slightly nice. potentially easier. You mean a spouse? <laughs> At work? No. Um, well, at work, we call them aides. So I highly suggest you all invest in an aide because they're fantastic. Like today, I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to make copies. And she was like, oh, I'll do it. And like she just went and made all my copies. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Like, you know. I like how you said invest in it. Like we're going to go on down to the <laughs> office depot and pick up a personal assistant. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Today, my aide was like, if you ever want me to like teach or anything, let me know. And I'm like, oh my God, sure. So next no. week she's going to, oh. well, no, I really don't. Like, I really want to teach myself because I don't know how to give up control. But like next week she's going <laughs> to teach something to like the third, fourth and fifth graders. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. No, that's, cool. that's cute. Yeah. She's really nice. I really like her. She's a sweet lady. And we text um, silly music names back and forth to each other on the weekends and at night. No, oh. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Anyway, so how's everyone else's week? Jasmine needs an aid. Overall, the week is good, except for the fact that I like killed my knees yesterday, but that's about it. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I watched that video like 12 times. <laughs> so did I think I. we should make it go viral. And I kept watching it to be like trying to figure out how what it exactly happened. happened. <laughs> yeah, I was all of a sudden you were just upright and then you were on the ground and there was no falling. It just was. Yeah. So that's about I also that, that's really how it happens. It like you can ask Katie. She's seen it happen a couple times, but that's like really how yeah. it happens. So like my ankle and it's done this thing my whole oh life. My I don't know how, but it's done it my whole life where like occasionally I'm walking and then all of a sudden it turns like inward. Well, and then my balance is all effed up at that point. And I fall. I've seen this happen. Yeah. It's quite <laughs> intense when it does happen. And I never know what to do. So I just watch it happen. <laughs> so, sometimes I can well, catch myself. I'm going to ask the real question. Did you still go get Panera coffee? I feel like you should have treated yourself after to that, Starbucks After instead. that, I would have like, diverted <laughs> to Starbucks and be like, no. You're like, I have an open wound. It's time to get a caramel macchiato. <laughs> that would have been the proper answer. But... I did not. I went to Walgreens instead to go get bandages that were big enough to cover my wounds. <laughs> they're quite okay, large. That's fair. They are like, uh, they're a little bit smaller than like the size of my mic, the front of the microphone right now. It's pretty gross. But they're they're okay, pretty close well, to that size. Like they're not that much smaller. This has also happened at work so where I'm, I'm carrying like a $10,000 machine in my arms. <laughs> and, <no! laughs> I topple on the carpet because it happened. <laughs> when I say that this is just a thing that's happened throughout my whole life, it is. Katie asked me, because I also watched it like 12 times last night after I sent it to y'all. I'm also like, I can't believe this happened. Uh, we were talking about Panera, so it made me think we should go around and tell everyone what we're drinking. If anyone has anything fun tonight. Okay. Um, I was drinking coffee um, at the beginning, like right as we started recording, but I just, I finished it and I just switched to water because that joke that Ben cracked where I like died out your coffee died a little bit like it's it kind of i think some of it got um, into my windpipe so i'm coughing calm 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 that down a little bit and i do it again oh, God. <laughs> and you absolutely should ben what are you drinking coffee what kind <laughs> can you imagine i just left it at that just oh, coffee <laughs> um i used my new bean grinder to grind some beans Ooh, fancy and the only whole beans I had were H-E-B Texas Pecan Decaf. So I'm drinking H-E-B Texas Pecan Decaf in yes. the Oops, I Don't Care mug. Ooh. And let me tell you, it tastes just like pre-ground beans. <laughs> also, I don't know why I was talking like that for this whole time. So I'm so sorry because that was probably really uncomfortable for everybody to listen to me say beans. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, it's a spooky episode, so let me talk about my beans. <laughs> Megan, what are I'm you drinking, drinking water, actually. We had yeah. to stay hydrated. We had barbecue for, for dinner, and then, well, nice. here we are. I was too full to actually get Starbucks. I still got Starbucks because I was like, I'm full now, but in two hours, I'll be fine. And you know, it takes me a lot long to drink a starbucks venti so i'm not even halfway through my iced caramel macchiato tried and true wouldn't that be such a cute name for a pet hi this is my dog macchiato it yeah. would be a cute name we've <sighs> talked about that before we have about how that would missed be. opportunity y'all want to get into this topic today it's quite intense 
Yes. Yes. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to our patrons, Cynthia, Kiara, and Brianna. Thank you all for your support. And if you want to hear your name heard, then make your way to patreon.com slash and become a subscriber of whatever level. Or if you just want to buy us a cup of coffee because you're nice and don't like monthly subscriptions, you can go to ko-fi.com slash katantpod. Yep. And if you haven't learned by now, like we're obsessed with coffee. So Okay. So because it is October, we wanted to do some spooky things um, this month for our podcast. So we decided that today we're going to talk about the Salem Witch Trials. I did a lot of research on it and it's some pretty heavy stuff. I'm sure. I mean... <laughs> heavy because they crush people with stones you know. <laughs> children i'll take the away we're gonna go way back before the salem witch trials because there's a lot to set up for this one so we're gonna start with samuel paris i'm so ready for this i hope you're sitting down wait you are because we're recording i don't think you're ready for this jelly i don't think you're ready. all right so samuel paris he was born in london and he moved to boston and attended harvard while he was at harvard his father died and so his dad left him his inheritance which was a sugar plantation in barbados because his father had like a lot of interest in barbados apparently so samuel was like all right, dad, I guess I'm going to Barbados. Samuel moved to Barbados to go to his new inherited sugar plantation. And while he was there, he didn't actually work on the plantation. He worked as a merchant and he basically had someone else run his plantation. Anyway, while he was in Barbados, um, a hurricane hit and destroyed a lot of the island. So basically he was like, well, I can't do this anymore. And he took his two slaves, Tichuba and John Indian with him back to Boston. All right, so now he's back in Boston. He met his wife, Elizabeth Elridge, while he was at a church there, and they soon married, had three children, Thomas, Betty, and Susanna. And he also worked as a merchant when he was in Boston, but he was like, no, I don't like my job anymore. So he decided to transition to a new career in the church. So he started subbing for ministers when they were out, and he would speak at various informal church gatherings. And eventually he got ordained. By 1688, he had taken the job in Salem, and he was their official minister. Prior to Samuel Paris being the minister in Salem, the village had actually recently gone through three ministers who had all resigned due to issues basically with the congregation because the people were wacky. Salem Village was established in 1629 with a charter from the King of England, and it was permanently settled in 1636. So I didn't know this, but there are actually two Salems at the time. There was okay, this is news to me too. Yeah, there was Salem Town, which was a much more prosperous town. It was had a bigger population, just overall like a better place. And then there was Salem Village. So we're talking about Salem Village this whole time. And Salem Village was a lot smaller and they were a poor farming community and they were kind of like the wackadoos anyway. Salem Village was settled as a Puritan colony, but very early on, there was lots of unrest among the villagers. They had a really hard time like deciding on anything. And basically, they all just had like really poor attitudes and nobody liked them because they were all rude. So, I mean, yeah. 
They they failed to like pay their ministers and part of the deal at the time, because this is the 1600s, is that the townspeople would typically provide the firewood for the church and the minister's home. They refused to do that or they just didn't do it. They didn't keep up with renovations for the church. Basically, they had a really terrible relationship with all of their ministers and they just never did anything like they said they would do. Even though there was all this bad juju, Paris was like, that's fine. I'm going to come be your minister anyway. He moved to Salem Village in 1688 with his family, and he was their official minister. So he had a super traditional view while there. He was like, he stuck very strictly to Puritan beliefs and decisions. He had people do specific baptisms in the church, and they had to publicly declare God's grace and acceptance. And it was very traditional at the time. And he wanted to make sure there was a clear difference between his congregation and then the people in town who were not church members, because I guess they were, you know, evil. Most people appreciated his traditional values, but a lot of unrest began among the villagers as they became increasingly uneasy about him. And basically, they were becoming paranoid about other people in the town and other people, especially if they were not like church members. And he started preaching, actually, really outrageous things. He preached that the devil was conspiring to destroy the church and they had to protect their values because the devil was coming into the town to basically destroy everything. So he was already instilling fear in this town and these people before the Salem witch trials even really began. Samuel and his family, they're in Salem Village. They're doing their thing. He's like, ah, the devil is here. And in January 1692, his daughter, Betty Paris, who was nine, and then his niece, Abigail Williams, who lived with them, um, she was 11, they started having these really odd fits and became ill. And they were doing these weird like contortions with their bodies and they were just screaming like that uncontrollable outburst of screaming and they were throwing things in the room and I I even read somewhere that like at one point they were speaking in tongues and they just like went cray cray. Samuel was trying to cure them with prayer and traditional remedies through the church. At one point he even called other ministers from surrounding towns to come help him and he was like oh my god what's happening come do your you know your Jesus work and help me but it didn't work. So at that point, he was like, I got to call a doctor. So he called the local doctor, William Griggs, which, by the way, doctors at the time were really not doctors. (laughs) They didn't really know what they were doing. No way. You mean they didn't have all the medical science that we have right now? No, they didn't. I know, right? Crazy. Honestly, like our doctors at that time were not really any better than like the doctors they had hundreds of years prior to them. Like they just hadn't improved and they were really poor at their jobs and they were usually pretty crazy. Paris called the local doctor, William Griggs, and he was like, oh, my God, they're sick. Come help them. So he came out to observe them and he examined the girls, but he he found no medical diagnosis or anything medically wrong with them. And so he was like the girls had been bewitched and they were afflicted by demons. Even at one point, Betty had even told him like she had seen the devil. She was like, he's here. I saw him. I talked to him. I had tea with the devil. I don't know if she had tea. I can imagine that just sitting like a little table outside, like drinking your tea with your pinky out with the devil, like drinking his tea. (laughs) It's not that exact thing, but like in the Apple TV plus show Dickinson, where it's about Emily Dickinson and like, she's like a teenager, but she gets taken off in a carriage by death and she smokes cigars with death basically. 
Ooh, cigars with death, tea with the devil. This is fun, October. Yeah. Mm, I like this. All right, so Betty was having tea with the devil. The doctor was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. So soon after Betty was like going crazy and Abigail going crazy, other gun girls in town also began having the same type of fits and symptoms and outbursts, and they were contorting their body and screaming mm. and, you know, doing devilish things. February 26th, about like a month into this whole ordeal, Betty and Abigail had, were really being pressured by Samuel. He was like, who bewitched you? We need to know because we need to fix you because you're crazy. And they were being pressured so much that they started accusing and they said Tituba, the family slave from Barbados, she was the one that had bewitched them. And... The other ministers that were like visiting from surrounding towns, they started who were also observing the girls' behavior. They started questioning Tituba. At the same time, the, the two girls were like, "Oh yeah, it was the slave." There were other accusations that started happening around town. So Anne Putnam Jr. and Elizabeth Hubbard, they were just some of the other girls in the village that were doing the same crazy things. Said that they were bewitched by Sarah Good who was a homeless mother in town, and Sarah Osborne, who was an elderly woman. and But she had been involved in a lot of local property inheritance scandals. And I also read that she married an indentured servant, which was like a big no-no at the time. You didn't do that because of class and everything. These are the first three women that had been accused of being witches. Basically, they were like, these women bewitched us, and they're the ones that are doing this thing, like these crazy things to us and making us act this way. So in February 29th, that was only three days after they accused them, there were arrest warrants out for the three women based on the accusations from the girls and then also from Anne's father, Thomas Putnam, and then also Samuel Paris, because he's really the person that was at the start of this. So they had arrest warrants out for them, and they were basically arrested the next day. John Hathorne and Jonathan Corwin, they were both local magistrates or judges, and they were asked if they could question the women and like really get down to the bottom of what was going on. So March 1st, they were appointed and they were supposed to question and physically examine all three women. They were looking for witches marks. So they took the three women to the local tavern because this is really an appropriate place to do this. They um, asked them questions. They stripped them down and looked at them to see if they had any marks on them. And they did have another like an additional person present to take notes about the witch markings and on their bodies and whatever, you know, their answers were to the questions. But this whole thing was like a he said, she said situation because the judges said one thing and the, you know, they took notes saying one thing, but then the tavern owner's wife who was there the whole time also was like, that was all a lie. Everything that they said that like that they had markings and all those questions they answered, they were lying about it. But then at the same time, Sarah Osborne's husband came out later and he was like, no, it's true. She has a mole. So like this whole thing is just he said, she said the whole time. It's outrageous. As most things are, I've learned with this kind of stuff. We're going to talk about it. on my back. So my... does that mean I've been marked by a witch? That means you are a witch. I have lots of moles. Like, look, I have this one right here. All right. So at this point, we have the two judges in town. They're observing the women. They've been arrested. The other girls are still going crazy and doing their witchiness. And so this is really when the trials begin. Tituba actually confessed. She was like, yeah, I'm a witch. But then she said that the other women were also witches. 
And most likely she was hoping to like lessen her sentence or save herself from death. So she's just accusing other people as well. She testified about being possessed by demons and that she had met the devil and, you know, they chit chatted and they had their tea. And she even said that like she had signed the devil's book, I guess, basically giving over like her role. Okay, Sabrina. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, it's Sabrina. <laughs> Maybe Sabrina is based on true stories. Tituba is like, yeah, the devil, T. And then the other two women were like, no, I did, I'm not a witch. I'm innocent. I didn't do any of this. At this point, Tituba was like, yeah, but there's other women in town that are also witches and they also signed the book. So there's a bunch of other witches in town who are working for the devil. They, they actually brought the girls who were having these crazy fits into the trials to say, like, yes or no, this person was the one who bewitched them. And literally, the girls would be having their fits and, like, screaming and contorting and being outrageous and, I guess, like, yelling in tongues. And then they'd be like, yeah, she was a witch, and then go back to their outrageousness. I don't know. I just can't imagine sitting in a courtroom and then there's a girl, like, contorting and being weird and screaming, and then she's testifying at the same time. Like, how can you take that seriously? You can't. Well... I mean, they did because... Well, you've obviously never been to band camp. <laughs> oh, my God. As they're starting these trials, hysteria is just spreading around town, and people are just, like, accusing one another right and left. People are going crazy. They're like, oh, my God, someone's going to accuse me of being a witch, so I have to accuse someone else. Additional women in the town that were accused, there were a lot of them, but specifically um, Martha Corey and Rebecca Nurse, they were both considered to be like upstanding members of the church and the community and everyone had a ton of respect for them but the girls were like nah they're witches (laughs) 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 they even accused sarah good's daughter remember she was one of the original women accused she was the homeless mother her daughter who was only four or five years old at the time they accused her of being a witch like a child Wow. So that's how ridiculous this is. So there were several accused witches that did confess and they're like, okay, yeah, you caught me. But then when they confessed, they started accusing other women as witches. So it was just like a never ending spiral. Why do women hate women? Like, it's not just that men hate women. It's also that women hate other women. I mean, I could still believe that even today. It is true today. But just imagine if instead of accusing you know, uh, your fellow person of being a witch, they were just nice to each other. We're like, yeah, no, I'm just like having real bad mental issues. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But at the time, they didn't believe in mental issues back then. I mean, well, some people don't believe in them now. It was very different. This is like in the 1600s, like the late 1600s. It's several hundred years ago. I like, guess that's true. Women were not respected. Yeah, it was during Cher's first reunion tour. <laughs> can't with you if she could turn back there to is. home there it is there it goes if she could find over her hashtag unexpected share god share can you sponsor us I, I would love that as like a game show or like a candy camera type thing just unexpected share and she just pops out at people when they're like at line at starbucks or at the post office and she's like the postal worker and she's turned around and they're like trying to get her attention and they think she's just being rude but then she turns around and she goes if I could turn back time and then they're like oh you've been shared I don't know why for a second I became Liza Minnelli but you know like, I hope you don't cut this out of the episode share. this needs to be shared with everyone <laughs> shared shared 
Oh. Everybody's got the puns tonight. 80,000 impressions later. Everyone's like, you're a witch. And they're like, no, you're a witch. And a lot of people supposedly were just trying to save themselves. They thought that if they confessed and they accused someone else, then that they would save themselves from jail time or even death. May 1692, the Massachusetts governor, William Phipps, created two courts, the Special Court of Oyer, which was the court to hear the cases, and then the Court of Terminer, which was to decide on the consequences, I guess, and whether or not the women or and men were guilty. So he created these two courts to proceed with the witch trials, because I guess at this point it started getting really big, like it had started spreading to other towns around Salem Village. It wasn't just in Salem Village. And the governor was like, okay, we got to do something about this. So the first person that was convicted, it was June 2nd, 1692. Her name was Bridget Bishop. She was a very unfavorable person at the time. She had been accused of witchcraft prior to this, actually, after her second husband died. And she was just kind of considered to be like an immoral person. The townspeople just like didn't like her. She fought publicly with her husband and she hosted parties with drinking and gambling. And she just wasn't a person that other town members cared for. So she was convicted on June 2nd, and then she was the first person who was hung eight days later at Gallows Hill in Salem. In July, Sarah Good, Rebecca Nurse, Susanna Martin, Elizabeth Howe, and Sarah Wilds were also hung. I think it's really important that we say their names because I I feel like that's important. So I'm I saying agree. their name. I agree. Those were all the women that were hung and killed in July. In August... Martha Carrier was the only woman who was hung. And at this point, four men were killed. John Willard, Reverend George Burroughs, who this was a significant one because he was actually one of the previous ministers of Salem Village. So Ooh. he got accused. He was one of the ones who was also like, this is not a real thing. Y'all need to stop being foolish. And only the smart one. Yeah, I know. It's always the smart ones. He was accused and hung. And he was one of the ones before Samuel Paris, who was he left because they were treating him like, basically. And then George Jacobs Sr. and then John Proctor were the four men in August who were hung. John Proctor, his wife, and all of his children were also accused of being witches. And he is also one of the people who was very outspoken about this and how ridiculous this whole situation was and just thought it was all fake. And so he, if you were outspoken about this, people were like, well, then you must be a witch. So that's June, July, August, and then in September, the uh, remaining people that were hung were Mary Eastie, Martha Corey, and I'm sorry if I mess up this name, and Puditor, I don't know how to say it, P-U-D-E-A-T-O-R, Samuel Wardwell, Mary Parker, Alice Parker, Wilmot Red, and Margaret Scott. They were all hung, and then Giles Corey, who that was um, the husband of Martha Corey, who was accused and killed in September. He was actually pressed to death by stones after he refused to take a plea deal and testify against her in court. So, uh, and, yeah. So he was the only one who was actually pressed to death by stones. Others died in jail because the conditions in the jail were so poor. The ones that died in jail were Lydia Dustin, Anna Foster, Sarah Osborne, and Roger Toothaker. Conditions in the jail were awful. So it was just dark and damp, infested with lice. It smelled of tobacco and feces, like gross. And the people in jail would also be charged a daily rate for being in jail. 
They no, were. they weren't. They were, had to pay to be in jail. They also had to pay for their chains that they were chained up on because they were literally always on chains 24-7. And they were like, oh, well, you're going to be on our chains. You have to pay for our chains. So these people never had proper burials either, like the ones that did die, because they apparently worked with the devil. So why would they get a proper burial? Instead, they were just thrown in shallow graves. And actually, three families later on retrieved the bodies of their loved ones and gave them a proper burial. So I don't know That's whatever. Good. Yeah, I don't. I don't exactly know what happened with everyone else. Yeah. So so sad. It is sad. It's a really sad thing that happened. We need um, to get our time time traveling friends to go back and like fix, fix this. It. Oh yeah, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I could do that. <gasps> He's the one that needs to go back and do it. He's he a time traveling vampire. He could totally do it. He could do all of this, and then he could just yes. like suck the blood of these terrible people. What like a perfect Samuel time Harris. for a vampire to go back in time <laughs> to when they thought witches were real. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, now that y'all finished that really fast game. Yeah, we did. All right, we're going to talk about the common test that they did to identify a witch. And so these were not only used in Salem, they were used across the world. These had already been used prior to the Salem witch trials as well. But these were the most common ones. So the first one was the swimming test. An accused witch would be stripped and bound, and then they would be thrown into a body of water to see if they would sink or float. An innocent person would sink, but a witch would float because it was thought that the water would reject a witch because they could not be baptized like you'd be baptized in the water because they were, you know, inflicted by the devil. And the devil can't be baptized. Um, typically, a rope would be tied to them. And if they did start to sink, and I guess they stayed down long enough, then they would try to pull them back out. But unfortunately, they did not always pull everyone out fast enough. So it was not uncommon for victims to drown. I mean, because, I don't understand you know, how they, they couldn't weren't know. witches. Like, yes, when was too is. long? It, once we read all of these seven things to identify a witch, then you're going to just take that back because you'll be like, never mind. I understand now why they're so stupid. Okay, so the swimming test. <laughs> the next one was the prayer test. If a person was a witch, they would be unable to recite scripture and um, the Lord's Prayer. So one of the accused, actually, George Burroughs, who was the former minister of Salem, Literally, with the rope around his neck, about to be hung, he was reciting the Lord's Prayer. And they were like, no, that's just the devil's trick. He can't actually say that. That's just a trick. And then they hung him. <laughs> what? But this yeah. is a test. But, yeah. but when you pass the test, it's, it's, no, it doesn't work. Poor guy. And then the touch test. The idea behind this one was that if a bewitched person was having one of their fits, a witch could touch them and make them stop. They would bring someone in who is possessed and their accused witch would touch them to, and like just to see what the reaction would be. So if there was no reaction, then the accused would be considered innocent. That means like if they were still going crazy, but if they stopped going crazy when the witch touched them, then the witch would be guilty. But it's their accused witch. So I've already done said you a witch and then you touch me. And so I stop because I'm obviously not going to out myself for lying. Yes. Right. It's a flawed system. It is a flawed system. It was also quite common for them to not have and like the witch to touch them and, and it wouldn't affect them and they'd still be going crazy. And then the people would be like, 
they're still witches, even though the test didn't work, you're still a witch. So it sounds like people can just do whatever they want and claim whatever they want. Okay, so the next test would be the witch cake. So witch hunters would take a sample of a possessed person's urine and they would mix it with rye meal and ashes and then they would bake it into a cake. And what's wrong? No, they did not. Keep going. But no, this <laughs> yes, did not did. happen. This, no. this is the 1600s, I believe anything. No. Okay. <laughs> so they would bake this into a cake. Then they would feed this to a dog, the witch's familiars or like their animal helpers, in hopes that the dog would speak the name of the witch that they belong to. What kind of Betty Crockett is this? What do you mean by speak? Like it would just bark and it would be this. I He would say hello. <laughs> it would literally talk like Salem in Sabrina. Yeah. Tituba actually helped to make a witch cake to discover the person who had bewitched Betty Paris, but it failed. And then this was actually used against her. No way. It did not fail. It did. It failed. It did. And they used this against her and they were like, you're just using witchcraft. Again, they just get to pick and choose. Like, it's outrageous. Here are these tests. You fail the test. You're still positive. I'm hearing is that ridiculous episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch when they do the Salem Witch Trial reenactment was not over the top. No. If anything, no. It was not as outlandish as what really happened. No. Because yep. there's three more tests and they're just as ridiculous. Oh, there are not. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay, bring bring it on. How do they get more ridiculous than that? Are you kidding? The next test are the witch's marks. So accused witches would be publicly stripped and examined for signs of blemishes that were thought to be the mark of the devil. And this would include moles, birthmarks, sores, scars, anything that's not like perfect skin. They'd be like, oh, that's a sign of the devil. My knees. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Megan's knees. Yeah, this um, entire group would be dead. Who doesn't have a birthmark or a mole or something on their body? No one's skin is absolutely perfect. And so this was such an easy one. This was the most common test because like you could always be successful with this test. You could literally always find something wrong with someone's skin. And so many people were afraid of the marks on their bodies that they would be accused that they would actually burn or cut off blemishes from their bodies. And then that would end up just creating an even like more severe yeah. mark. And then these wounds would be labeled as proof that, you know, of the witch's covenant because they'd be like, oh, well, you were just trying to hide something, you witch. So, yeah. Um, the next one really ugh, is gross. Um, pricking and scratching test. So supposedly witch's marks were insensitive and they wouldn't bleed. Actually, there were people who were professional prickers and they. (laughs) (laughs) We have some professional pricks now. So they would usually they would use dull needles to make it more painful and they would poke and prod at people's like birthmarks and things in their bodies basically until they got their desired results. So like if one mark bled, they'd be like, oh, hold on, let me go to the next one. Let me go find something else. But they would use it with dull needles. So it hurt them, but it didn't always make them bleed to make it seem like they were a witch. So, and they also would do a scratching test. So supposedly a possessed person would find relief. So like if I was possessed, 
I would find relief in my symptoms if I scratched the person who bewitched me, if I would scratch the witch's body until I made them bleed, which is stupid. When scratching the witch, if your symptoms improved, then the witch was seen as guilty. So I'm a crazy person and throwing my fit and Megan is my witch and I'm scratching Megan. And then I'm happy because I'm scratching someone to death and my symptoms improve. So obviously Megan's a witch. None of this makes sense. Literally none of this makes sense. No, not at all. Oh my gosh. I can't. Yeah. And so then. Absolutely ridiculous. So one of the last tests that I read about were incantations or charging. So the accused would be forced to verbally call upon the devil to let the possessed person come out of their fit. So other people would also speak these words, like, I guess, speaking like in tongues or whatever they had to say to call on the devil to help control the situation because, you know, the devil. And then the judge would decide if the words had any effect on the possessed person. If the possessed person improved their symptoms, then the witch would be considered guilty because that meant the witch was able to call upon the devil to be like, make them stop. Those were the witch tests, which are all absolutely outrageous. Yeah, that's bonkers. It is because also a lot of these like these girls that were having fits they knew what they were doing ultimately is what happens in the end like Mm -hmm. they knew what they were doing and and it was very common in like trials and situations that like the person would be like i just want this person to be accused as a witch and so i'm gonna fake my way through this they would just be faking the whole time which is which is ridiculous because it affects everyone's life when you do that yeah Yeah, but they didn't care the 1600s okay so the conclusion not wrong yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, not far off. So the conclusion of this trials in October 1692, Governor Phipps dissolved the courts of Oyer and Terminer because his wife was actually accused. Once his wife was accused of being a witch, he was like, OK, we got to stop. Never mind. This is dumb. At this point, the trials <laughs> dwindled down, but they did continue up until early 1693. By May 1693, Phipps had pardoned and released all of those still in prison on witch charges. So by May, this was all over. So Samuel Paris was dismissed from his duties as minister of Salem Village after the trials. He relocated to Concord, Massachusetts. Many people blamed him for really starting the witch trials. And they also blamed his traditional ideas and the fact that he had already put a fear in the town about the devil coming to disband the church and destroy the town. So his daughter and his niece were the first ones to accuse. So, and and like, basically he was egging it on. He was, you know, so a lot of people blame him. After the witch trials, Betty grew up and she moved away and she eventually married and had four kids. Anne Putnam was the only accuser that ever apologized for her part in the trials. Mm -hmm. Good for her for apologizing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad she apologized. (laughs) In January 1697, the Massachusetts General Court declared a day of fasting for the tragedy of the Salem witch trials, and they later deemed the trials unlawful. And one of the leading justices at the time, his name is Samuel Sewell, he publicly apologized for his role in the trials. Set in 1711, Massachusetts passed legislation restoring the good names of the condemned and providing financial restitution to their families. And then in 1957, Massachusetts formally apologized for the trials and 
In 2001, the remaining 11 convicted individuals were finally exonerated. So they were not all exonerated till, yeah, 2001, the remaining 11 convicted individuals were finally exonerated. It took that long, which is outrageous. I got goosebumps. Wow, that's insane. Wow, okay. So the exact number of accused is unknown, but historians assume that it could be anywhere between 140 to 200 people. Also keep in mind that the population was much, much smaller at the time. So that was a lot of people at the time. Um, The youngest person accused was five years old and the oldest was almost 80. And this spanned across 25 towns and villages. In total, 14 women, five men, and two dogs were executed. Two dogs. Yep. Because they were the familiars. Right. And it was common for families to accuse each other. They accused their neighbors. They accused their close friends. Basically, they were accusing everyone to protect themselves. And they would do anything to keep suspicion off of themselves, like children accusing parents and brothers accusing sisters. And, you know, it's just outrageous. Um, The majority of the accused were women. And typically they were poor or disgraceful. I'm using air quotes, um, which just meant like maybe they weren't religious or they drank or they were poor. They had some kind of negative image in their town or they were unmarried. And basically they would be unable to defend themselves. It wasn't until 2016 that Gallows Hill, which is where they hung all those people, was actually discovered. The exact location of the execution site was unknown. They just knew that it was somewhere in the area. But researchers were able to use maps and court documents, and they actually used personal writings from an accused witch to find the famous Gallows Hill. And today you can visit it. It's right next to a Walgreens. No, it's not. (laughs) All right, guys. I think I know what we're doing (laughs) post-COVID when quarantine lifts. We're going to go. Oh, yeah. You to... best believe I'm going up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go buy something from I'm Walgreens down. and then head over to Gallows Hill. Yeah. Perfect. So there are several possible causes that modern scientists and doctors have actually come up with to explain the bizarre fits and the outbursts that the girls had at the time. Well, they say it was also, it could have been a combination that they also had other like medical problems that were undiagnosed because of the time. They said it could have been anything from asthma to um, something called encephalitis, which is an inflammation of the brain, Lyme disease, epilepsy, child abuse, delusional psychosis. And then the most popular one is convulsive ergotism, which is caused by eating bread or cereals made of rye that have been infected with a fungus a specific fungus or that caused hallucinations, vomiting. It could cause like a sensation of something crawling on your skin and choking. So all of the symptoms that the girls exhibited, they were like, they were poisoned. This is the same fungus that's used in LSD. You know, knowing like how little they knew about Mm -hmm. like stuff that they were ingesting, like it's easy to believe that like they were just on some Mm -hmm. psychosomatic drug by like without even knowing. It's true. Yeah. And there has been quite a bit of impact on modern society from this. This event would forever change basically the United States court system. Guarantee to the right to like legal counsel. And we also have the ability to cross-examine our accusers and we're innocent until proven guilty. This also all took place before the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. So they didn't have any rights at the Mm. time, but now we do. Mm -hmm. Um, Now witchcraft is actually recognized as a religion in the United States and it's covered under the First Amendment. So 
go on and yeah. do your witchy things because you're covered. Know, you're safe. I know a couple people who dabble in it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's a thing. And we also have the Fifth Amendment, which is you don't have to testify and incriminate yourself. And people at the time were actually accused of being a witch because they would not testify against other people. So, like, if you didn't testify, it's because you were a witch, ultimately. And many people also say that these trials created a taboo in America against mixing religion and government, and that this is even possibly when, like, really theocracy died, which is when you mix religion and government. So I was going to say we could go through and see which host is a witch, but I don't know if that's too, like, dark. I could say that I know how to swim, so I definitely could pass that swimming. I, I would float. I would float if we did the swimming test. So I guess I'm a witch. That's not passing. That's failing. You're failing the test because you're a witch. Um, would we fail the prayer test? I know I would because I had to read scripture when I was younger and read the Lord's Prayer and recite it. I would probably end up being a witch because I would forget half the words halfway through. I would fail because I uh, no. don't remember. Oh, well, I would pass protests. I would pass, like, I grew up Catholic, oh. and I know I'm also not religious, so, like, meh. I don't think I remember the Lord's Prayer, but we never really did that. Yeah. But I still remember verses. The Lord's Prayer wasn't really, like, a Baptist thing? Was we did the no. Lord's Prayer. I, th- I just don't remember because I haven't said it since, like, sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school. But if we're doing the witch trials based in the 1600s, you just had to be able to speak it. Like, you didn't have to have it memorized. So if you literally can read these words and speak it, like, I can pull out my oh. Bible. It's right there. Oh, well, then. Yeah, girl, I, I can, can do read. That. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The next one is the touch test. So if you touch someone and you're a witch and they stop going crazy, then you're a witch. I don't know how to do the touch test. Um, I don't know how to test the witch cake. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the witch cake either. That's gross. I don't think yeah, there's any need to. Me either. Okay, so the witch's marks. I mean, I've got marks on me. Same. I'm assuming. Same. Megan I do, has yeah. marks. Same. We all have marks. Right. Okay, so we would all feel oh. that one. You're assuming I have marks. Yeah. I feel like your <laughs> wife would know. Wait, what? I mean, you did just scrape your knee the other day, which is going to scar. Let so... me let me just touch it and see if it. You said I assume Megan has marks, like. Um, pricking and scratching. Here, let me get a pencil and poke you and see if you bleed. Well, I obviously bleed. I had to go to Walgreens yesterday to get my band-aids. And then the last one is incantations and charging. I do not know how to call upon the devil, though. I do. Oh. Like this. <clears throat> 1-800-THE-DEVIL. <laughs> Hi, Satan? It's Ben. <laughs> you just dial star 666. Beelzebub? I'm outside. <laughs> oh my gosh I think unfortunately if any of us were alive in the 1690s and we were accused of witches we would all be dead or in jail well if we were alive in the 1690s they would um, hate us because not a single one of us is a straight white person that's true that's true you're correct anyway so those are the witch trials it was a really sad thing I, I got really sad reading about it actually but I also like I said I thought it was really important to say all their names um, and I'm really sorry if I mispronounced any of their names I should have done a better job but I just may they all rest in peace and I and it's a sad thing but I hope that we learned our lesson from this so now you can be a witch and it's okay and you won't get hung because you're 
recognized as a religion. So, which freely. That being said, Megan, do you want to wrap us up? Thanks everyone for listening and for watching. If you like what we do, we do have a Patreon if you want to show your support and help us keep this going. There are four tiers that all include access to our Discord and a shout out on the podcast and in the credits of the YouTube video. After the podcast, we chit chat about the next episode and more, which we release to the supporters that choose the Captain, Knight, or Settlers tiers. The Captain and Knights can also listen to our show live. Again, thanks to our patrons. To hear the after show and previous after shows, go to patreon.com slash Pod and become at least a settler. You can also buy us a cup of coffee if you don't want another monthly subscription at ko-fi.com slash Pod. Make sure to like, heart, star, favorite, and leave us a review wherever you can. Don't forget, you can also watch the game we just played on our YouTube channel, Settlers of Catant Even. While you're there, make sure to subscribe, which is another great and free way to show your support. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CatantPod. Now, let's go around this virtual table and talk about where you can find us. Katie, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Katie11318. And Ben? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at bfelts 91 on my website at BenjaminFelts.com. Or sitting in my car in the Taco Bell parking lot, commuting with Cher via Ouija board. Let me know how that goes. Jasmine, where can we find you? Y'all can find me on Instagram at PrincessJasmine14 and on Twitter at underscore SnoopJazzyJazz. And CJ, where are you at? Uh, You can currently find me on Instagram at CJ. And you can find me at Megan Wilson underscore on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. It's all linked in the show notes as with everyone else's social medias. Thanks again. And we'll be back soon with more Catan and conversation. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye.